There's, <clears throat> there's a place I have heard of and read about A land where there cometh no night My mind cannot comprehend this stop and think about that I mean just heaven that that word that she that's used in that song there she's saying that's my home I don't know if you ever stop to consider that one of the biggest thoughts that you're going to have as you walk uh, into that place is I'm home I'm home you're into that feeling of being home uh, what a blessing well I'll update you on a couple things um, we made it we made it to Kansas City I got him dropped, uh, got Brother Peacock dropped off about 10.10 last night and uh, made it in the hotel. Made it, uh, I made it back a little before 1 o'clock, uh, got in. I appreciate everybody praying for us, praying for me. That trip back, made it back safe. Uh, appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I talked to Brother Peacock today, text back and forth. I uh, got a text around probably a quarter to two that he was uh, still on the ground at MCI. Uh, his flight was supposed to take off about 11.30 this morning, and he said uh, delays with de-ice in the planes and all of that stuff. He said, I missed my connecting flight in Atlanta. He said, don't know, don't know how it's going to work out. He said, this is just how things go. Uh, 
And he said, but I'll make it to Atlanta. I got uh, a text later in the day, probably right around maybe three o'clock, made it to Atlanta. They got me a flight taking out at 5.30, going to make it to Jacksonville. Thank you. Uh, thank your church for praying. Uh, Lord is good. So uh, thank you all for praying for him. Of course, you know, stuff like that happens. But uh, I know he sure appreciated being here. I was glad to be here, and uh, I just, I think about how the Lord works things out. You know, I was under this impression from the beginning, you know, it's got this one thing stuck in my head. It's 13th through the 16th. He's like, we were over at my mother-in-law's, and she's like, well, we're not, not going to be able to make it, you know, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday, but we're going to be back Thursday, and he's standing there, who's preaching Thursday? I'm like, I thought you were. <laughs> He's like, no, brother, I'm leaving Thursday. Oh, man, I felt like, you know, whale poop on the bottom of the ocean. So I don't know what we're going to do. But um, I got to thinking about that whenever I asked uh, Brother Stisser if he'd like to come down. I knew Brother Stisser's up in North Dakota. There was no reason why I thought he would come. Like, I don't, I, we still kind of laugh about it. I don't know. We weren't particularly close in school. Like, we knew each other. We weren't like, you know, we didn't hang out. And so just one day, this was, I don't know, a month or so ago, just like, hey, having a meeting. How you're doing? You want to come down? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I look at how everything's worked out. And I think in a lot of ways, hey, uh, the Lord gave you an extra night. Uh, gave an opportunity for you to be able to hear Brother Sister preach here tonight. And, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are, too. Uh, brother, why don't you come ahead? I'm coming. What do you think I'm doing? I kind of like to live my life doing things spur of the moment. Um, you know, 12 hours to drive is not really a big deal when you live in North Dakota. Everything's far away from you. So when Brother Wilcox asked, I said, sure. And uh, part of that, to be honest, was uh, to, to try to come and minister to you all. And try to be a blessing to the church down here. I didn't know anybody except Chris. And uh, then we were going to head down to the blowout. My best friend Jared Pilkington's preaching this weekend. And I was going to try to make it down there for, for that and for him. But uh, plans changed. I have to get back to teach Bible classes on Tuesday night up at my church. And um, I'm actually heading back there. We're going to leave out tomorrow morning to fill in Sunday morning for my preacher. But... Um, the Lord, the Lord worked things out, and I'm able to be here tonight and try to attempt to minister to you through the Word of God. And uh, you know, I got thinking last night. I was trying to figure out as Brother Peacock standing down here preaching. I don't know if I'll, I don't know how he does it. Lena here preached the whole night, but he's he's preaching, and I'm trying to figure out what the Lord wants me to preach. And I had a, a couple of a couple of ideas, a couple of sermons, things that I've preached back in Bismarck. And uh, I settled on one, and, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, I just want to—I want to thank First Baptist. I want to thank you guys uh, for your kindness to my family and me, and appreciate you all. And done a great job of taking care of us, and really undeservedly. You know, we didn't expect anything, but we got abundantly more than we could ask or think. And just want to commend you all for for doing a great job. It's been a good meeting, and uh, there's a good work here. And so I want to exhort you to keep going in that. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalm chapter 17. Psalm 17 this evening. Just going to read one verse. Uh, you know, there's a bit of an underlying theme, first couple of messages anyway, that Brother Peacock preached. And uh, Monday night he preached on the pits and, and the prison on the way to the palace. And... Basically, just talked about the difficulties of life and how God uses those, those troubles. And Tuesday night, he talked about God's desire to use broken things and how uh, the, the breaking is, is beneficial and it's good for you because that's what God desires to use. He's not going to use, uh, he, he came not to call the, the righteous, but sinners to repentance, right? He desires to get a hold of things that are broken and to mend them and to repair them and to put them in, into better shape than they were before and to use them. And I was thinking about that message on Monday night, the pits, the, the pit and the prisons, the, the troubles on the way to the palace. And between the two sermons, I was thinking of preaching. One of them has to do with that palace. And I want to just take your attention tonight for a little while. And I want to point it heavenward. 
Bible says to set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. And so if, if I had the liberty to do that a little bit here tonight, look in Psalm 17 and verse number 15. Psalm 17, verse number 15. And the title of this sermon tonight is Satisfied. Psalm 17, verse 15, it says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here. And thank you for this church. And thank you for their generosity and their kindness. Lord, thank you for their faithfulness, and thank you for these who've shown up tonight. Some came from, from a great distance, and I pray that you'd bless them and give them safety on the way home. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to leave this meeting, the, the revival of things that Brother Peacock preached and what will be said tonight. Lord, help us to set our affections on you, and Lord, help us to look to you in our troubles. And God, help us to glorify you through the problems and the difficulties of this life. Lord, and know, help us to be reminded of the fact that they're only temporary. And Lord, I pray that you get the honor and glory out of what's said and done here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the satisfactions of this, this life are, are very temporal things. They're fleeting things. And, uh, you know, we find some satisfaction in the things that we do in this life. And, you know, you work a day, you get to put a hard day work in, and you go home and you take off your work clothes, you take off your boots, you get a warm shower, you sit down on the couch and... You're satisfied with what you were able to accomplish in that day, right? It feels good to, get, to put some sweat in and some sweat equity in getting things done. And you come, uh, you go and do things for the Lord and you put in the effort and you, you witness and you work on those things. And there is a certain satisfaction that comes with that, right? This is hard work in country here. You guys know what hard work is all about. But the problem is there's always more work to do. You wake up the next morning, and what do you have to do? You have to get up, and you have to go back, right back to work. Because it, it never ends. There's always something else to accomplish. You never get to a place in, in the Christian life where you, you've arrived, and you just have everything. It, it's done. It's all perfected, not here in this life. And so there's always more that can be done. And, and you should never be satisfied with where you are spiritually. You should always be working to press toward the mark, as Paul said. Right? Working towards that and putting the effort forth to be able to be a better Christian and a better uh, testimony, a better witness for Jesus Christ. There's work that has to be done. I, I'm full this week, both from the preaching and from uh, living in the church. There, there's been a tremendous amount of food. Well, I'm satisfied right this particular moment. But you know what's going to happen if I wait another hour, another two hours, another 10, 12 hours or whatever? At some point... Next, it may be next week after all I've eaten this week, but you know what's going to happen? I'm going to need to eat again. That satisfaction only lasts a little while. I love to eat. I love to cook. Uh, my father is a professional chef in a very expensive country club, and uh, it's just kind of been in my blood and my family for a number of years. I love food, but it only satisfies for a little while. You, you, you think it, it's... It, it, try eating the same thing every single day. You're eventually going to get tired of that, and you're going to want something different. The satisfaction is eventually over, right? And the fact of the matter is, we live in a, in a sin-cursed world. We live these lives that are tainted with sin and difficulty. I, I knew a girl a number of years ago, and uh, when she was young, she was given up for adoption, and she was taken in by some family members of hers. Her, her mother didn't want her. Her mother wanted to live the life that she wanted to live, and, and so she gave her up. And that young girl, she went into the, the household of her family, and she lived there, and, and seems like that would be a great thing, except for the fact that she was then abused. Uh, she, was, she was molested for a number of years. And why do I say that? I say, I say that because we live in a life that's full of problems, that's full of difficulties. And so she went through that for a number of years, and as she grew up, she was, not only was she abused, but she was abandoned. And on top of that, as she grew up and she got into her adult years, she lived with this fear and this trepidation. She was afraid. And so there's this underlying damage that has been done that dulls the satisfactions of this life. I don't know your backgrounds. I don't know all of your stories. I've only had a brief opportunity to, to talk with some of you. But that sin gets in there and it permeates and it destroys things in the lives of 
not only Christians, but the rest of the world. And so you have something that happens like that, and you have this girl who's been destroyed, and so she goes the rest of her life, and what happens? Every good thing that happens, every joyous thing, every, everything that comes into her life that should be a blessing, it is, and there's satisfaction, but underneath that all, there's still the damage. So the satisfaction is temporary. Does that make sense? You each have your own stories. We each have our own testimonies of those things. And I think that uh, God allows a certain level of trouble, a certain level of difficulty into our lives, as we heard the preacher say on Monday and Tuesday. And he uses it if you'll allow him to. If you'll surrender the, the problems and you'll surrender the prisons and the pits and the pitfalls and the damage and whatever your history may be, whatever has happened. Maybe, maybe God just he allowed it to happen. He watched it happen. Other people introduce sin into your life. It's not necessarily your fault, but even your own sins and the things that you allow to come into your life, that you allow to, to take over your life and the things that you do, you commit, those sins do permanent damage. And so the satisfactions that you could have in this life are tainted. They're temporary. You lose them because your mind eventually wanders back to, well, do you remember that night? Do you remember that day? Do you remember that instance? Do you remember that particular thing that happened and it can suck the joy right out of your life? It takes the satisfaction away from things. It's not like these little children running around. Brother Barney's kid back there screaming, as Brother Wilcox said, auditioning for the next Braveheart movie. They're not worried about a thing in the world. But they're going to have some sins in their life that are going to, they're going to do some damage. And it's going to mess with the satisfaction that you could have in this life. And that's why we read here in Psalm 17, David says this very particularly. He doesn't say, I am satisfied. What does he say? He says, as for me, I will, future tense, behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. David says, there's a day that's coming just out in front of us. And I'm looking forward to something that's beyond the horizon. He says, I shall be satisfied. I'm looking forward to those things which are before me. And if I could just for a few moments, I have three points here and then we'll, we'll be done. We'll get some more, more supper in there. But I just want you to draw your attention heavenward. I want you to think about heaven for a little while tonight. We're going to leave here tonight and we're, Lord willing, going to head out tomorrow. And we may not make it home to Bismarck. Twelve hours is a long way. It's a lot of road. There are a lot of things that can happen. Some of you could breathe your last breath tonight. I'm not saying that to be morbid. I'm saying that if you've trusted Jesus Christ, there's something better just beyond this mortal life. I shall be satisfied. I look for satisfaction in this life. I think we all do. Right? You work hard and you build bigger barns and you buy the new boat. And what happens a year later? The newer model's out. You buy a brand new truck, and what happens? You hit a deer on the way home. Destroys it. You've got to get a new one. There's always something bigger and better and greater out there in that world. And it doesn't satisfy. There's always that longing and that nagging. And the world doesn't have what we have in the Word of God. And the world doesn't have Jesus Christ. They don't have heaven to look forward to. And so they spend their whole lives striving and, and endeavoring to find satisfaction and they'll never attain it. But as Christians and as Bible believers, we can say with David, I shall be satisfied. I want to say first of all tonight, I shall be satisfied with the sinlessness of heaven. It's a pure place. Heaven's a place that's undefiled. There's no sin that gets in there. You think about, think about heaven. What does it say? It says that there are streets of gold. I don't know about Unionville, Missouri, but I know that where I grew up, if there were streets of gold, those streets would be plucked up within the night. They'd be gone. I asked Brother Chris when we got here what the crime was like, and so not a whole lot going on. I was talking to a brother last night. He said, I leave my, leave my wallet in the truck. I leave this and that out there. And you can do that maybe here, but you can't do that everywhere in this world. But when we get to heaven, it's a place of sinlessness. Uh, just a bit of my testimony and, and talking about sin and I've seen the damages of sin in this life. 
I've seen some things in this life that have ruined some lives. Uh, I remember one of my earliest memories. This, this shouldn't be a kid's earliest memory, but it is. One of my earliest memories is my father leaving. Um, he and my mother grew up together, and they, they were childhood sweethearts, and they moved down to South Florida where I was born in West Palm Beach. And I remember at three years old, my dad leaving. He was leaving my mom for another woman. And I I'm, I'm, don't hold that against him now. I'm not bitter against him. I know the Lord worked in it, but that's one of my earliest memories. And the home was broken and damaged and ravaged. My, my mother, I don't think she ever recovered from that. And when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any more sin. Another guy came into the picture, my stepfather. He, he lived right next door to us, and he came into the picture. But the problem is that he was a heavy drug addict, and he was a career criminal. And my mom was a drug addict. My mom was a heroin addict for a lot of her life. Uh, she, she quit about 25 years ago, but she did some heavy stuff, and so did my stepdad. And he came in, and he was in and out of jail. And so I grew up with a stepfather who wasn't always there. And when he was there, it wasn't the greatest of times. <laughs> and they went on to have four children together. So there were six kids, two adults, and two dogs, and not enough money for two of us to live. And what am I saying? I'm saying that there's sin in this life, and that sin brings some problems with it. And my stepdad, he was, he was in and out of jail, and I remember being in second grade, and he had started to get into church, but he was still selling drugs and selling guns out of the back of his vehicle. And uh, he'd started to get right. He had gotten saved earlier on, but um, started to get under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord was telling him he needed to straighten up his act. And so one day he's working. He's up in a tree. He's trimming trees. And he's, uh, that's what he did during the day so he could <laughs> go on and do the rest of the stuff at night. And so he's up there and he prayed this prayer. And I don't, I don't recommend praying this prayer. I think you should be exceptionally careful about what you pray and how you word it, because God will do some things in your life that you don't expect Him to do when you just leave it to him, to him. And what my stepfather said is, he said, Lord, slow me down. And so that very night, it's Halloween of, uh, I think, 1995, the guy that he was dealing with and selling drugs and guns with came over, and from about me to Brother Chris, shot him with a 38 special. Shot him, hit him in his throat, fell down, collapsed. I'm second grade. What was that, about seven years old, roughly? Run out of the trailer, and I would get to the front porch, and I look out there, and there are people trying to hold, hold me and my older brother in the house, and I look out, and I see him laying in a pool of blood out in the trailer park. And so he goes to the hospital, and he spends the next two months in rehabilitation. We got kicked out of the trailer park because apparently it's taboo to have people getting shot there. And so we get kicked out, ended up in a homeless shelter, my mom, my older brother, my younger brother, my stepdad's in the hospital. And so he's there, and we spent Christmas that year. We spent the month of December in the hospital, West Florida Hospital in Pensacola, Florida. And so we eventually get out of there, and we move into a halfway house, and then we eventually get a little bit stabilized. But the problems didn't stop there. The Lord slowed him down. That was the point of that. Be careful what you pray, because the Lord will slow you down if you ask him to. And he became a paraplegic, and he lived the next uh, number of years of his life, I guess about the next seven years of his life as a paraplegic, and he passed away when I was 14. But in that time frame, we'd gotten into church, and some things started to get stabilized, and it seemed like things were, were starting to look up, and things were getting better. But when you're already a hardcore drug addict, and then you become a paraplegic, then you get hooked on prescription pain pills, and then you can't afford to take care of your whole family, so then you start selling the pills, then you're out of pills, then you're in pain, so then you resort to other means. And so I remember as just a young boy, I'm in middle school coming home, and I get down to the driveway, and I start looking up towards the house, and there's my stepdad in his wheelchair huffing paint thinner. And I'm not telling you this to give you some stop story. I'm telling you that there's sin that's in this life. And I look, I get up there, you've never seen anything more pitiful than a man in a wheelchair with a rag to his face, his eyes are glassy. I, I walk right up to him, I look at him, he doesn't see me. I don't even know what he sees at that point. He looks right through me. I turn and I walk inside the house, just a broken child. That's the man I'm supposed to be looking up to. He's the man who stepped in to fill in for the other guy who didn't fill in, who didn't take his place in the household, didn't stick around. He saw something else that he wanted and he went after it. And hey, I understand that now. I get that. We've all done that. We've all turned something aside for something else that we wanted. 
I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that uh, I'm not bitter at my father. We actually have a fine relationship now. But that wasn't, that wasn't how things were supposed to be, right? So my stepdad, and I remember another time, this is close to when he passed away, I remember with my older brother having to go into the laundry room. And he's a paraplegic. He can't just get up and walk. So we go into the laundry room, and he's cracked out of his mind. And as a, I don't know, maybe 12-year-old boy going there, have to pick him up and carry him into his bed because he can't walk. And we're poor, and there are struggles, and my mom struggles with some of the same things. There's addiction. I come from a whole line of addicts, whole line of them. There's not a preacher in my family. But I'm here today because Jesus Christ saved me. And I'm not where I could be because the Lord did something for me. And I want to tell you tonight that I'm looking forward to heaven because of it being a sinless place. I've seen, I've seen too many things in this life. I've, I remember one time when I was, I don't know, late teenagers, different story. My, my stepfather passed away when I was 14, and that was, that was a relief. It was, that was a good day to me, as, maybe as taboo as that is to say. But there was some relief there. And I remember another time later on where uh, this, this guy committed suicide. And I remember going down the pathway to his mom's house. And she had just found out. And I remember hearing her scream, Not my baby. Not my baby boy. That sticks with you. But I know that one day... One day I shall be satisfied. There won't be any more of those stories. There won't be any more sin to get in there and mess up things and mess up homes. No more broken homes. No more broken hearts. No more broken promises. Satisfied. It's just sad. I shall be satisfied. I think about that place. I think about heaven sometimes. There are a couple of ladies in the Bible, Rahab and Tamar and a couple of others, not good women, stand out on the street corner and make their living by selling themselves. But I think about what it'll be like to get up to heaven and see them out there on one of those street corners singing praises to Jesus Christ. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing with sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below, but I went unto the keeper and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. And the old account was settled long ago. I hear them sing that song and lift up those praises. And at this point out in eternity, heaven, heaven is all that we know and earth is but a distant memory. The sins are gone and wiped away and all is clean. There's no more sickness in heaven. There's no more sadness. There's no more sorrow. There's no more strife. There's no more sleepless nights. David says, I shall behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. There's no more sin because as a Christian, when I pass from this life into the next, I become just like Jesus Christ. And you become just like Jesus Christ. There can't be sin in a place where everyone is just like Jesus Christ. I shall be satisfied. Secondly, I want to say that I shall be satisfied with the sensations of heaven. Uh, God has given us senses, and a lot of times those senses get abused in this life. We use them for our own pleasures and our own enjoyment, but I, I think that there is something to those things. I love beauty. Um, if you've seen my wife, you know that. Oh, I love beautiful things. I paint for a living. I love going into a place that's drab and run down and putting a, a beautiful coat of paint on it. 
picking out the right color. I spend a lot of my time these days doing color consultations. I go into a house and I look at the carpet and I look at the drapes or the curtains or whatever. Look at the couch, look at the different things that they have in their house and help them pick those things. I like beauty. I grew up on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, and I I used to go to the beach. I remember sitting out there and watching the storms kind of roll in across the Gulf and seeing the lightning flash in the distance and hearing the thunder roll and seeing the, the dolphins, the porpoise there, and the manta rays and the different creatures riding the waves at sunset. I love beauty. I love looking at those things. I've seen some beautiful things in this country. Um... Primarily in Missouri. It's great. It's a gorgeous place. <laughs> there is beauty here. Just heading, we went up uh, north just a little bit today, but the rolling hills and the grasses, and we have that, that kind of thing in North Dakota. You see the wind blowing the grass, and you just watch it wafting in the air, and you see it roll like, like the waves of the sea, which is like home to me, but... I, I think about times I've seen beauty in these shelf clouds that roll across the plains. They blow in 60 mile an hour, 70 mile an hour winds. The sky turns this ominous green color as the hail begins to fall. And there's beauty in that. There's beauty in power. I've seen, I've seen the sun set behind the Rocky Mountains. And I've seen the sun rise on the Grand Tetons. And I've seen the northern lights dance across the night sky out in the middle of nowhere, pitch black, not a, not a city around for an hour or so. And I've seen those colors up there and the green, the emerald green shimmering and lighting up the whole ground and purples and reds and yellows. And God's creation is a beautiful thing. I, I got into landscape photography. I've, I've looked at probably a million pictures of the beauty that's around this world. There's some beautiful things, beautiful music. I love, I love beautiful music. I, actually, I generally like music that's sad, but to me it's beautiful. There's an eeriness to it and an, uh, you know, just, just something to me that kind of is sobering and I like it. I find beauty in it. I, I find beauty in the senses of, of smell. I think about back home and the honeysuckles that would grow and the magnolia trees that would bloom. That's one of my favorite smells in the world. I love good fragrance. I, I'm a fan of colognes and that sort of thing. I find enjoyment and satisfaction in those things. But it's temporary. It's always temporary. And it always changes. It's never the same thing. Paul said about that place, about heaven, there are some things about that place that weren't even lawful for him to utter. I'll be satisfied with the sensations of heaven. You think about that. You think about the sights and the smells and the sounds of that place. I don't know if you ever do, but it'd be good for you to. What's it going to be like one day when, you know, we're going to step through those pearly gates. I've never seen giant pearls. I've seen some smaller pearls. They're beautiful things. The whites and the the different colors that shimmer through that pearl. They're going to be gates made out of that stuff. Think about heaven. You walk through those gates that are attached to those walls of jasper. It's going to be a beautiful thing. I think I'll be satisfied with that. I shall be satisfied. You walk through and you walk on streets of gold. Uh, I'm not a, not a rich man. I've never been a rich man. I probably won't ever be a rich man. I don't possess very many things that are of much, much value, but I've never been to a place that has streets of gold. You guys could use some streets of gold. fill in some of those potholes. You walk down those streets of gold and the sights that you'll see, see some things that your eyes have never seen before. You'll see mansions that are made of gold. Gold that's so pure it's as crystal, as clear as glass. Be able to see through that whole place. Everything... The way that light works, the light of Jesus Christ sitting upon his throne, beaming down and just bouncing through all of that glass and off of all of that gold and off of all those precious stones and just in a blaze of his glory. And you walk through that place and I think about that. I think about walking down those streets of gold and I think about that river that comes down out of the throne of God. And I, I, We live pretty close to the Missouri River and 
Uh, I enjoy going down there sometimes and just sitting and listening to the wind blow and listening to the water trickle down and the wind blowing through the trees and that sort of thing. And I know that in heaven there's a river that, that flows from God's throne, and I know that there are trees that line that. And I think about that scene, what that's like, and how peaceful it must be to just, there's nowhere else to go. There's no place to be. There's, there's no work that needs to be done anymore. It's all finished. And you end up in that place and just, I, th- I think about myself, maybe just walking through there, and I, off in the deer, distance I hear a sound coming from one of the trees, and I get down there and I find myself at a sycamore tree. And I look up in that sycamore tree, and who do I find but Zacchaeus, that wee little man, <laughs> climbed up in a sycamore tree again. <clears throat> and he's up there, and I, I, in my mind's eye, of course, I, I hear Zacchaeus up there, and he's got himself set up. He's got himself a little, you know, a little, a little bench up there. He's reclined in the sycamore tree, but he has the branches pulled back, and with thread of gold, he has them tied so that he can see right up to the throne of Jesus Christ. And old Zacchaeus up there, I hear him singing this song, and I've heard him sing it a million times before, and it'll never get old, but he's up there and he says, Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On those streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past home at last ever to rejoice. He's been singing that song through the ages, but it never gets old. And I stop and chat with him for a while, and I reminisce about how the Lord came along my way one day. And I couldn't see him. I didn't even know what I was looking for, but he came along and he stopped and he said, Zach, come into your house today. And He made his house within my heart, and he dwells there. And one day I'm going to end up in his house, because that's how friendship works. He came my way, and I didn't deserve it. And He's provided a home for me in heaven. I've feasted on his word, and I've enjoyed the fellowship of his saints. And one day I'm going to sit down at his table. And there's food that's been prepared for me. I gave you a little bit of my testimony. Come from a rough line. Had some difficulties in this life. But I shall be satisfied one day. When I sit down at the table of the king and I get to feast there with him, I shall be satisfied with the sensations of heaven. I think about the songs that will be sung. I think about the four and twenty elders and those beasts that fall down at the Savior's feet and they cry, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We'll join in in everlasting praises to the King. And we'll be able to sing those songs. And we'll be able to sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. No more singing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I shall be satisfied. Be satisfied with the saints of heaven. Talked about a couple that I expect to see up there. I have some friends who've gone on before me. Dr. Ruckman went home a number of years ago. That's one of the most, probably one of the, one of the saddest days of my life. But great rejoicing and joy because he finally got to see the Savior that he preached about for so many years. I have some friends there. <clears throat> my mother passed away on New Year's Eve. She's in there. She's up in heaven, and I'll get to see her again. That wasn't as difficult because she lived such a hard life, but I know that she's satisfied now. I'll be able to see her. I have some friends. They had a a teenage boy who passed away a few years ago. I'll get to see him again. I shall be satisfied when I awake. I want to say lastly, but definitely not least, I shall be satisfied with the Savior. Man, you think about that day.
think about the day when we've been walking by faith, not by sight. I'm 35. That's not, that's not old by any means, but I've been saved a number of years. I got saved at about nine years old. I've never seen Jesus Christ. I've seen some people who have lived their lives like Him. They've exalted Him. They have done well in presenting Jesus Christ through the way that they've acted and their kindness to me, among many other things. But I've never seen Him. But I know that one day I shall be satisfied. Be satisfied. Not like I am here. I have to tell you that tonight I'm satisfied with Jesus Christ right here, right now. Because He's perfect, but one day I shall be satisfied face to face. I'm going to see Him, and I imagine walking past Zacchaeus as he goes on humming that old tune. And I'm walking down those streets of gold, but we don't have anywhere that we have to be, but there's somewhere that I want to be. And I walk up the lane, and I walk up the river, and I find that throne. And I see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. 6,000 years of human history, men have disdained Him, they have scoffed at Him, they have spat upon Him, they plucked out His beard, they crucified Him, they mock Him, they have no desire to have anything to do with the perfect, sinless Savior, Jesus Christ. But one day I'm going to see Him face to face. And I don't know how it will go through all of eternity, but I imagine that the first time that I see Him, that I'll just want to bow at His feet and just hold His feet and see the nail prints and the scars that He'll bear for all of eternity. I want to thank Him and I want to pray to Him for all of that He's, he's done for me. The Bible says that even the world itself could not contain the things written about what Jesus Christ has done. But I'll be satisfied when I see Him. I'll be satisfied with the nail prints in His hands. I'll be satisfied. No longer will He be wearing a crown of thorns. But I'll see Jesus Christ crowned as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'll see Him wear the crown that He rightfully deserves. And I don't know if I'll have anything to show for this life, to be honest. I don't know if I'll have crowns to give. I've won a few people to the Lord, so I expect a soul winner's crown. But I'll see people casting their crowns at His feet, because I don't deserve that. I don't deserve anything. I'm just trying to be a humble servant, doing something as minuscule as it is in return for the one who's done everything for me. Oh, I'll look upon Him and I'll see Him I'll see Him glorified. I'll see Him perfected on the throne. and I'll behold His face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with Thy likeness. I'll be satisfied with the Savior. We'll gather around and we'll sing praises to Him. And every time I walk into my home in heaven, I'll be reminded that Jesus Christ did that for me. We'll see some people that maybe the rest of the world looked at as the off-scouring of the world, the basest of men. But it's because of Jesus Christ that they're there. There are some people who will be there, and I'll be one of those people who didn't do anything to deserve it. Couldn't have worked my way there if I tried. And I'll be satisfied because of Him. I shall be satisfied. I hope that you'll take this and consider it over the next coming days. I want to encourage you to keep on because Jesus Christ is coming back. And yes, we do have the troubles and we do have the difficulties, but there is a day just out in front of you where you can say like David, I shall be satisfied. Go ahead and have my, my wife come up here and sing and we'll have Pastor Wilcox do what he wants here in just a second, but if you just bow your head for a moment. And if you're saved, consider that place and that, that's your home and consider all that Jesus Christ has done for you. Consider that there's coming a day when you can say, I shall be satisfied. I think everybody here has been here for the last several days. I don't know if you're saved or if you're not, but if somebody in here is not saved, maybe somebody tuned in online who's unsaved, 
You can know for sure where you're going to go to heaven when you die. You can know for sure that you're going to go to heaven. You can say as well as David, I shall be satisfied. My soul cries out, O Lord, how long till my toiling ends and you Continue to pray. You know, as Brother Stisser brought up, what you've had is you've had a progression through this week, taking you from the, the pit and the prison and all of that stuff. Not unlike what you get in Romans chapter 5, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience hope. Folks, you didn't get a, a health, wealth, and prosperity, Joel Olstein, Rick Warren, you know, gospel this week. What you got is you got something that was real, that's right where you live, because you know where you live? You live in hardship. Uh, you live in a world with, with potholes. <laughs> you live in a world where things break down and the body breaks down and loved ones die and go on. And the, you go to the doctor and the prognosis doesn't come back the way that you want it to. And you didn't get the, the promotion and... It's just sometimes it's one hard thing after another hard thing. But the Lord is still good. You, you, you got, you're going to have your pits, Christian. Listen, uh, whenever the Lord saved you, he didn't save you out of all of your trouble. He saved you out of the one thing that most troubled you, which was hell. He saved, you, he saved your eternity. He didn't save your trouble down here. But what you got tonight was hope. I mean, listen, uh, most uh, I, I could say it of Americans, uh, you're dissatisfied. There's a reason that people just, I mean, they flip through Facebook and they flip through YouTube. What? I'm just I'm going to I'm just going to scroll till I'm satisfied. And they end up staring that thing for hours and hours and hours. What? Trying to get a dopamine hit. Not satisfied. Not satisfied. You go over and man, I, we don't even talk about eating until we're satisfied. We eat till I'm over full. And we don't understand satisfaction. One of these days you're going to walk through those gates and listen, if there's anything that's true about Jesus Christ is that, listen, he never gets too old. There's not a newer version of him. 
right? But as for me, as he read that verse, I will behold thy face in righteousness. Man, I hope that's what you look forward to about heaven, because, man, he is all of heaven. He's, all, he's what makes heaven heaven, is right there. And everything that's dissatisfying about this world, everything that decays and breaks down, uh, everything that's just fleeting and for a moment and dies and decays, and everything that's bad news and it's, oh, well, it's good for a time, but it'll fall apart. No, listen, none of that's, none of that's in Jesus Christ. Uh, you say, what, you just bootlegging his sermon? No, listen, uh, what you got is you got something good right there is that you ought to keep your eyes on him. Because if you keep your eyes down around here, you're going to notice the potholes and you're going to notice all the stink and the, uh, the pain and the hurt and all that. And uh, there's enough of that to go around to keep you dispre- uh, d- depressed and discouraged. And you keep the Fox News and the CNN. Listen, you'll be dissatisfied. You'll be hurt. You'll be frustrated. You'll be anxious. You'll be depressed. When was the last time you considered heaven? I mean, really just thought about it, what it might be what it could be, what it is. Well, listen, one of these days you're going to be satisfied. But I tell you what, Christians, you know, a lot of I could say this of every lost person, but it's true of a lot of you Christians. You've got a Jesus sized hole in your life that only he can fill. And just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't need filled with him. I tell you what, you can be in the worst spot possible. But when you've got him in his proper place in your life and in your heart, you can be satisfied. Man, I'm good. Why don't we close out here in a word of prayer? Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you got something. Uh, Brother Barney, would you close us out in a word of prayer? Lord, we love you.